Hey everyone, welcome to Project Esports for July 22nd, 2019. It is a great day to be alive. I'm excited. I have my good buddy old anti-capitalism pal, Dylan Beal, with me today. How are you doing? Um, I mean, I don't want to be the cynic on the show, but like, I wouldn't say it's a great day to be alive. On the East Coast, it's like, it's honestly, it's a hellscape here. It's humid. It's hot. New York is flooded right now. It's like it's a disaster movie right now on the East Coast. It's awful. Well, you know what I have to say to that? You already know I have to say that. West Coast, best coast. West Coast, best coast. I live in Las Vegas. Not technically a coast, but West Coast, best coast. But we are not here to talk about the best coasts or whatever. We are here to talk about esports like we do each and every week on the East Project Esports podcast. We're every Monday at now 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Western, Pacific time, whatever the time zone is over here. We talk about all the biggest stories and topics from the previous week of esports. And as usually three of us, but it's just going to be me and Dylan this week. James decided that after making his big triumphant comeback last week that he actually wasn't coming back and he still needs breaks here and there. So he is still part of the show. He's going to be on much more often, but he is not able to make it this week. But before we do jump into this week's show, I do have one piece of housekeeping is that our current poppedoff.com is down. We are working on getting that up as quick as possible. We are doing a redesign on that. Couple of domain issues that'll be up as soon as possible, and we will let you guys know. So there will be no written recap of this week's episode until that website goes live, but we will still be publishing on everything normally. And something I want to introduce before jumping into um, our first talk of the show is what did you watch this weekend, Dylan? So did you watch any tournament? I mean, let's try to keep it esports related, but any tournaments, any streams, anything like that that you really watched and enjoyed? Uh, yeah. So. I mean, it's esports adjacent, so I think I can talk about it. But I watched a little bit of Magic coverage. Um, there's this—they're not new, um, but they're definitely coming to huge prominence recently. It's called Star City Games um, because Magic is notoriously kind of run by Wizards of the Coast, yeah. um, and so they've been doing all you know their major things. But Star City Games has been doing a lot of really, really good tournaments. They're really awesome because there's like a really good path to becoming like a pro. There's a really good path to actually earning money um, and a really good path to actually going to a lot of their bigger invite-only events. It's really great. I went and played in some events uh, earlier this year. I love it. Whenever it's on Twitch, I always watch it. They have really good coverage and they usually have no downtime because they fill the downtime with games that weren't uh, shown. Nice. But but sped up, which is really great because hmm. like that's a game that you can watch sped up and it totally makes sense. And the casters cast over it. Um and it's great. I love it. So definitely go check out Star City Games if you're into Magic at all. Really, really good time watching that. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I guess for me, um, kind of similar to what PVA and Chad is saying is I watched a lot of LEC LCS. It's been a couple of weeks since I watched much. So it felt so, so good to be getting back into that. I'm going to watch a little bit of a recap and kind of summary of what's been going on at IEM Chicago. Team Liquid taking home another championship. Not really a surprise. I feel like the second we put out that article a couple weeks ago, I guess months ago now, about um, Team Liquid being the number one CSGO team in the world, they really took that to heart and they're truly number one. So they had a fantastic performance there. But yeah, I miss the Overwatch League. I cannot wait for that to get started back up soon. But yeah, a lot of League of Legends, a lot of TFT, and a lot of, uh, I guess, CSGO for the first time in a while. But... 
With that, I do want to move into the first topic and talking about a team that is near and dear to my heart, despite how they've been doing. They are doing better in League of Legends now, kind of talking about that. They didn't do too great this week, but 100 Thieves. So an organization that came out of pretty much nowhere two years ago, probably now one of the most well-known organizations in probably esports, maybe the world. Would you agree with that? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, maybe not I mean, the world. The world's a little over the top, but especially in I would say they're a tier one uh, yeah. team right now. They're definitely a tier one team in terms of like notoriety. Yeah. But yeah, so, so a couple of big things. So this last week, this was all kind of tied to one or two videos here kind of going on, but they've had a huge week. And I just want to kind of talk about some of the things they've announced on top of just their rapid success and how quickly they're doing this compared to other people. Um, but they've raised another $35 million in funding. Um, they already raised $25 million in the first place, so they've now raised $60 million in under two years for an esports organization. And on top of that, one of the things they're using with that money is building the largest North American esports facility or team facility at 1,500 square foot. I think the Team Liquid one, which is the was the biggest, is only at like 8,700. So it's almost double the size of that. Multiple team practice rooms, content creators, streaming cubes, all kinds of stuff. And the first ever in-house retail shop. So they're going to have a place where you can walk in and buy their merch, which no other team kind of has that. They're one of the first teams to really have that forward-facing, consistent um, interaction, which I think is incredibly cool. Um, and then another thing that they did announce this last week was that they are coming to CSGO. They made one stumble on it kind of early on, but he looked straight into a cam- uh, the camera on one of the videos saying, we're returning to CSGO. So there's no official news around that right now, but it is something that is coming. So I know you're not a huge, I mean, you're the biggest probably in League of Legends right now and Call of Duty, and you're not a big fan of either one of them. But the thing that really amazes me is just simply how fast they're growing and i'd love to talk about really what makes them so different and why they're able to do this so quickly that they've gone from nothing to a tier one team in two years so i think it has a there's a couple things with it one i think the branding is fantastic they have a an amazing brand and it's a brand that people want to love people look at 100 thieves and they go this is sick i want to like this i want to pick up the merch it's awesome and on top of that they have owners who know esports, and I think that's the most important thing. And I think that's we that's where we've seen esports fail a lot is that random investors come in or like random people are like, "I'm going to get into esports and 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 do a thing with it," and they fail because they don't they don't know esports. But like, it seems that a lot of the owners and stuff know what they're doing. I mean, I mean, it's Nate Shot, you know, yeah. like he knows what he's doing. He's a player. He knows what players want. He knows how to run a team like he's been in the scene. And I think that's one of the things that they're doing so well on is because they have that kind of knowledge. And I know that the team that they're bringing on to work on this, they're all very knowledgeable and they're all ex- ex- extraordinary gifted in the esports scene. And I, I, th- I think that's why they're doing so well. They have a great team. Yeah, I, I really do think kind of the team um, behind it all is one of the big factors, but also how they're approaching it. Because... Kind of how they tried originally pitched. I just listened to they do the self-made podcast each week. And this week they have the president and COO of 100 Thieves on this week. Um, and he was the original investor that joined on Variano. It was part of that $25 million first round when he joined the company. And he said how Nate pitched it was it was an apparel company with an esports team, which is such a unique approach. We've talked about this a little bit before, 
But by folks, I mean their last apparel drop made them $500,000 in less than five minutes. They made half a million dollars in less than five minutes. And imagine if they could keep up and make that bigger run, if they can make even more, and they're bringing in the retail shop and all that kind of stuff. So they're able to have that retail side and that apparel side and kind of fund their business that a lot of other teams don't have because no, every other team has merch, but they don't have apparel. It's a much different kind of category. So they have that side, and that allows them to be very strategic and slow when they go into esports. So they're kind of saying that when we enter an esport, we enter to win. They're like one of the they're like number one or two in the most uh, amount of money they spend on contracts and League of Legends. Call of Duty, they went out and bought all the best players pretty much. So like they are not afraid to spend the money because when they go into something, they're in it to win it. And they had that apparel side to kind of fall back on. And because of that aesthetic they've created through the apparel, they've created fantastic content and they've just found that they're not in it to build an esports company. They're in it to build an entertainment like conglomerate. And I think that kind of approach has allowed them to worry less about financials because they know they have other opportunities to gain revenue that teams aren't focusing on. Yeah, I think I think that is definitely a good approach because I think we've seen time and time again that esports isn't profitable. No, no one's really making money all. in the scene at all. And they're here? taking an approach. Yeah, they're taking an approach that's super well because, well, I mean, we're the content side. So like, if anything, our side is the side that's actually making real money. Um, the side that's actually... Go like, tell that to the major website. <laughs> Well, no, 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 no. I mean, major websites aren't, but I mean, like small teams that are doing like content, typically that's what is going to be making a lot of money. And if you look at 100 Thieves right now and just seeing what, where they're at, one, I think the thing that they're doing really well is they're treating their players right and giving them high paying contracts because these people do deserve a lot of money. And if you treat players right, they're going to give you their best. Two, they're on top of the content. You know, they're doing all those like vlogs and stuff. They have the podcast. Uh, they're putting themselves out there because people want to consume this content and they're able to do it. They have a YouTube page and stuff. And so you have all these uh, different areas for content that they're opening revenue streams for because that's super important, right? I mean, even through like the merch line, you want to open all the revenue streams that you possibly can and they're doing that. And I'm just looking at the like the not blueprints, but like, I guess the layout of their offices. Oh my God. It looks so cool. And you need to, no, if you have not watched sense. a video, you need to go watch it. Yeah. And it, and it totally makes sense what they're doing because like team houses, they're okay, but they're not there to be profitable. This no. is here to be profitable because you have practice rooms, um, but the players aren't staying there from, from what I, from what I no. see, it doesn't look like the players are staying there at all, which is great, but it's an area for people to go in and work on esports. Um, I mean, obviously they're not going to be here for these hours, but like they're put in their nine to five here. They're yeah. going in, they're putting the hours and then they're going home, which is very important for esports because you don't there want to play team house out. though, but yeah, yeah, but, this on top of it. yeah, we're not worrying about that because uh, that's a bad decision, but there's, there's areas for, for streamers, which is super important because, um, streamers as a revenue is huge. You know, like you, you want to be able to have the streamers help build your brand, but the worst thing about streamers, especially like variety streamers and personality streamers, is that they're really bad about like waking up and streaming. Like, no, that's like the biggest, biggest like issue with a lot of streamers is they just don't stream. So being able to have the office and go, hey, you're going to come in through these hours and stream 
is probably going to be so beneficial for them. And I don't, I don't even know if that's necessarily what they're about because the Hundred Thieves, they do have a content house where they're big streamers. But really what they're kind of saying those pods are being used for is that um, for when friends come to visit L.A. and they're from somewhere else, they have somewhere to stream with super high-end setups. And then obviously it has 100 Thieves. Like, oh, I'm at the 100 Thieves HQ and stuff today. That's really what they're kind of focusing on. I'm sure the actual 100 Thieves content creators were extreme there, especially when it start first opens. But it's really meant for other people. But either way, I think it's incredibly cool. I think they're doing all the right things there. And something I do want to bounce back on um, that we kind of brushed over is, yes, Small content creator teams are making money. We are not over here. So if you do have Twitch Prime, that means, I mean, if you do have Amazon Prime, that does mean you have Amazon Prime. I'm screwing this up so bad. Give us Twitch Prime subscriptions if you have it. We do need any money. We want to start paying our content creators. Just wanted to wrap back around to that. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's a little chill, a little too early. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just heads over heels about all things 100 Thieves. You know how much I love the team. I talk about them constantly. I'd love to work for them one day. So I think everything they're doing is super cool, and I see them being much bigger in two years than they even are now with the rapid growth they have. Anything else you guys want to touch on this, or do we want to kind of move on to another esports team that isn't doing quite as well? Yeah, let's let's just get this over with. I'm so disappointed. I think it's a joke. No, there's no way. Well, you lead with that. So tell us, tell us about NRG. Uh, NRG went through a rebranding. Um, you might be asking why. That's a good <laughs> so question. I don't know. I don't know why they're doing a rebranding, but it's like weird. It's like it, it looks like an old, like '80s, like uh, globe of where it's just like lines and it says NRG, and then it's like a weird color gradient. It's bad. I don't like it. I don't know why they did. Their branding was just fine. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. He didn't post it in the chat for anyone that's still here. It, it's so yeah. They they rebranded it and they also kind of adopted the slagging of one hundred percent unapologetic. Now rises a generation. So no, okay, so is that what NRG originally stand, stood for? Now raises a generation. Now rises a generation. Or now rises a generation. Is that what it originally stood for? I personally don't know. If someone did in chat knows about that and wants to let us know, that'd be incredible. But that's the first time I've ever heard it. I just always assumed there wasn't much behind it. But even the 100% one unapologetic is new kind of with this rebrand. And that just feels off as well because the logo doesn't seem edgy. And a lot of people are kind of joking, and I and I we're all allies on this podcast. But it's like, well, Pride Month was last month, is what a lot of people were joking about, where everyone kind of changed their logos to um, rainbow colors, and that kind of what this feels like here. Except a month later, that's not why they're doing it, and it has nothing to do with like the NRG brand that we know up into the state. It just seems like such a weird move for no reason. Yeah, but it, it like wasn't even really. It's not even. Rainbow, though, it's just a blue to, like, red gradient. I, yeah, I don't know that's why. That's what Kate's saying, that even she thought it was, like, a delayed pride thing. Like, that is what it comes off as because of how different. It, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't seem like an NRG is probably one of the more historic kind of teams out there. They've been, a I don't know if historic, but they're one of the more well-known teams. They didn't need a rebrand. Yeah, it and the worst part about this is if you go to nrg.gg it's it's their old branding they just didn't oh, really? change it yet oh, so they like haven't changed it yet yeah 
Yeah, so they actually tweeted out a link on their uh, rebranding. It was like nrg.shop.gg or something like that, which links to their new branding with like three uh, different shirts. But if you go to their actual website, they didn't change any of the branding yet. They just left I, it as I it. don't think it's real. I, I, I'm honestly, I honestly no, don't it's, think it's real. It's like not egregious enough to be fake, though. So why would they do this? <laughs> no, I, I think it's the biggest question is why? Like yeah. they printed shirts, they have shirts made for this new branding, but like, why would they do this? Is the question. Uh, yeah, and I do agree. The merch feels weird, and the merch—I mean, the, that green is hideous, and the merch doesn't even look good. This is their entry into apparel. This is not how you want to do it, NRG. Like, I don't think the apparel looks great. I sixty dollars for a T-shirt. I mean, it's just. I don't know what they're doing here. I just think it's almost so off that it has to be fake. That in a couple of days, it's just going to say, like, we were joking. Like, we just wanted to feel cool. But not. it's not like everyone's rebranding. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on here. I did like their weird, like, announcement video, though. Yeah, their video was funny. But everything else was was, bad. It was good. Yeah. Um, eh, I hope. I I mean, I kind of hope that it's fake, but... I don't know. Energy's making some weird decisions. They got rid of their uh, their their contenders team in DC, so I'm upset about that too. So I don't. I'm just like kind of salty on the brand a little bit. Yeah, I, I really think. I mean, we'll, we'll have a watch on this and see what happens next week. This may be a story that I was right in. It was just kind of a joke next week, or they're actually like, yes, we're being serious here. This is our new brand, and I'd be curious to see what the reasoning is behind that. Because there's got to be some reason, like maybe they're making some big changes in terms of teams or staffing or how the organization runs. I mean, it just feels weird for a rebrand for no reason other than a rebrand on a team that didn't feel like it needed it. But anything else you want to kind of touch on that before we jump into a little bit of FGC news? No, we can go right into it. I mean, I, I don't have too much more to talk about this. The logo's hideous. I think it's fake, and that's kind of where I stand on this. And we will update you guys next week. Go do go check it out. Um, see, let me let us know what you guys think, um, either in chat or on Twitter, or whatever, like this, because it is just blowing my mind, and no one seems happy about it. So I'm really curious what they're going to do. All right, let's let's talk about Justin Wong. So if anyone doesn't know, anyone out there not a big FGC person, Justin Wong is like one of the best fighting game players. And when I say best fighting game players, I mean like every game so one thing that you definitely see in the fighting game community is that a lot of people are good at different games because a lot of the skills do transfer over and a lot of games are similar on how they play so a lot of people play multiple games usually they'll only excel in one um but justin wong has been playing since he was like super super young and he's been in the scene for a really long time he's like huge figurehead and he was at defend the north um this past weekend is defend the north it is i don't know I heard a I bunch of people talking about it. I don't know where it was at. I I don't think it's in Canada because I think there's only one. Thought, it might be. I thought Canada. it was in Toronto. I wasn't sure. Go on. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Um, but yeah, so he went in and played uh, through the whole weekend, and he got first in Capcom versus SNK two. He got first in Street Fighter Alpha two. I think it's Alpha. Is it Alpha two? Yeah. Um, first in Street Fighter or Ultra Street Fighter four. He got second in Samurai Showdown. He got second in Ultimate 
Marvel vs. Capcom 3. He got second ST, third in Street Fighter 5, third in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and fifth in Third Strike. He killed it. Yeah. Oh, no, SC is Super Turbo, sorry. But yeah, he pl- he played uh, a lot of, uh, you know, Marvel vs. Capcom games and played a lot of Street Fighter games, all different versions, but he just entered all of them, absolutely killed it. Love this dude. And he definitely deserves this kind of, like, uh, these kind of results because he is a god, especially in Marvel versus Capcom. He's amazing. Um, I, cause I think he definitely was in, you know, he was killing it in um, the days of like Marvel versus Capcom three. So love, I love to see it. I love to see this. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, we talked about it after evil last year is how we saw how echo. I mean, um, Oh, well, Fox. Um, what's the, uh, Dylan, help me out here. Not Echo Fox, the Sonic Fox. I'm thinking yeah, so Sonic you Fox. were no help to me at all. Um, so, yeah, Sonic Fox, we talked about how dominant he seemed at Evil last year and being one of the few people to win in multiple games. And then we go see Justin Wong do this, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. And I, I know very little about the FGC, but I know how big of a figurehead he is and how he's kind of made a comeback recently is that he's bounced around from a couple of teams, but now we kind of talk about this a little bit pre-show that he's just kind of his own one man or small team. He has a bunch of individual sponsors and he's just conti- he's just going under the Justin Wong name and doing unbelievable things, which I think is such a cool thing to see that he kind of knows what he's worth. And he's like, I'm just going to do it myself because I know I can. and I know I can still make money doing it. So I really admire that on top of him just being an unbelievable God in the FGC. It's just super cool to see. And it's just very unique as i'm trying to get in the fgc i've yet to really find that he's one of those few people that really stand out and i love i love that it makes it a lot easier to follow those kind of people get more into it yeah i mean it's definitely a symptom of him being in the scene for so long and just like understanding what's up and he's like you know the team thing it's not working out for me i i think definitely because he's become a dad recently um he's definitely having having to pick and choose what he really excels at and like what he spends his time with and spending a lot more time with his family so i think he definitely wants to make that turn and go you know what i might not be grinding you know uh, tournaments out every single weekend but i'm going to do really well at some of them i'm going to be my own brand i'm going to have all these sponsors because he has a ton of like when i say he has a ton of sponsors he has a ridiculous amount of sponsors which is great because i i mean he's probably bringing home serious cash i mean he should be because he he's a it. he's a he's a great player. Yeah, and then something we were kind of screwing up on earlier. Um, it is based in New York. Um, it was not Toronto. I was wrong, so I just wanted to kind of confirm that. Thank you, uh, Blimey TV and Sybil and Chat for um correcting us on that. But yeah, I mean this is super cool. Um, it's getting me excited for Evo, which is right around the corner. I don't know if he's competing there. If he's made any kind of statements about that. But, oh, he he's for sure going to be at Evo. Yeah. He'll, he'll be doing something. He'll play a couple games for sure. Yeah. And I also will be at Evo. I haven't bought tickets or anything yet, but I do plan on going, and I will make sure that I'm going. I will not be competing or anything, but if anyone does want to hang out or meet up while at Evo, it will be my first time, and I would love to experience with some other people that have gone before or going for the first time as well. So do let me know on Twitter um, if anyone is going, and I'd love to hang out and meet some people because, yeah, it'll be my first time going to Evo, and I think it'll be an incredible experience and i'm a little worried i'm gonna get beat up by the fighting game community because i have very bad takes and having someone else with me would make me feel very very safe i'm not kidding (laughs) if any any of them (laughs) go on well you have you have bad takes across the board because one you're you're already like looking at half the 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 fighting game community being upset because you like you like smash the best 
And then two, you also talk bad about Smash. You're like bad on all fronts. Okay, well, first off, the fighting game community is clearly coming around to Smash because it is going to be the headliner at Evo. Talked about a little bit in pre-show and it's kind of thing coming out, but it's going to be the headliner. Like, that take can't be that bad. Right? No, no, I, I, so I, like, all joking aside, like, it's, it is great that Smash is doing so well and all that. But, um, I think where people have, like, the hardest pain point with Smash is that it is such a different fighting game. Yes, it's not a real fighting game. used to. I don't disagree with that. No, it, it is a game that you fight in. Yes. I will, that, that is for sure. But it is very different. No, no, it's very different from how fighting games normally work. But, uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see, like, how, how the, the viewership does. Cause, I mean, I'm not going to lie other fighting games haven't been doing so well so i mean maybe maybe it is smash's time to shine but we'll definitely see i yeah i i just think it's smash definitely appeals to a wider audience i feel like and i don't know and i don't think the fgc cares about that i think evo does i think larger tournaments are finding it harder and harder to make money or they want to make more money so appealing to a larger audience is a good thing I think that could have some kind of factor into it. And they're seeing how well Smash Ultimate is doing just overall. Everyone seems very happy with it and just kind of the general population. So I think kind of on a business money move and audience size, it might not be horrible despite um, uh, Bimmy TV thinking that it's going to be past all of their bedtimes. <laughs> um, I think it could be kind of a good move for kind of the business side of Evo, not necessarily the uh, FGC side. I don't know what you think about that. Uh, I mean, I think I think the viewers are probably there. Like the the entries are definitely there. People want to be playing these games. Uh, but yeah, Bimmy also brought up that Tekken is doing pretty well as well. And I, I do agree. Like, uh, even though I'm not a big Tekken fan, Tekken is doing pretty well. And I mean, that is the two fighting games right now that people are really liking. Um, the fighting, like what people have been into recently, over especially over the past year, has definitely shifted very dramatically. Like, you know, fighters came out and that was like the big hot thing. And then it's like switching back and forth. And I think... I think definitely this year Tekken and um and Smash are gonna kind of hold it down. Yeah, but it'll be curious. I mean, I'm looking forward to Evo, and again, congratulations to Justin Wong and just being an absolute god when it comes to the FGC or just kind of uh, fighting games in general. But um, do we kind of want to move on to the second half of the show, or is there anything else we want to kind of touch back on in these first couple of topics? Let's go. Okay, we're hold off on the Twitch Prime reminder because I. If that's so bad early on, I'm not going to make you guys sit through it again. But again, if you do have Twitch Prime, it does mean the world to us or anyone because you do get a free one each and every month. So give it to someone you care about um, or enjoy the content. It does really help out any content creators out there. But um, kind of going into it, it's something we've talked about. I don't know. Have we actually talked about it on the show? Um, yes. Uh, James and I talked about it when you first moved. Okay. Well, so, so we haven't. Yeah. So we it's now official. We're not going to dub this uh project uh overwatch but we well, i do want to talk about the um 222 lock officially confirmed for overwatch league for casual play for competitive play so it's pretty much being implemented everywhere and i love it <laughs> i guess i i just want to kind of start out with it i and i know you're not a big overwatch guy i don't know how much you'll have to say about this so I'd, be, so I'd be curious to hear what you said because i didn't listen to that episode when you and james talked about it yeah, so I guess I'll just like sum up my points of what I was saying there. I think for the pro scene, it's probably the best decision to make right now. And I'm very glad that they're mirroring it in the actual game itself. That's wonderful. 
you know, put, put it in the same game. Cause I, I think my biggest point was that if it's in tournament play, that really suck if you're on ladder and it's a different gaming environment, you definitely want to keep those one-to-one. So I'm very glad that they're putting it on ladder as well as, you know, in the Overwatch League. Um, the major issue I had with it is um, the, the same thing of why I like Dota a lot and the design philosophy around Dota as opposed to League, especially back in the day of where League, you know, you're going to have the same stuff. You're going to have, you know, always one person mid, two bot, one jungle, one top. It's usually always the case. Um, with Dota, you you have a, a little bit of flexibility. Sometimes you run kill lanes. Uh, you you know you run your supports a little bit differently, and I like that. I like that flexibility yep. of doing weird things. Um, and I don't like the roll lock from th- that design perspective of like, all right, you got to have two DPS and like two healers and two tanks. I, I like when like weird stuff happens. It's like you know what if what if there was a really cool like uh you know build that you could do. Unfortunately, goats was way too good <laughs> and you had to like kind of only run goats. And that was like the worst version of that. Um, so if, if you can't like design a good game or a game that's like that flexible, I guess this is acceptable. So I mean, I'll take it it's better than goats. <laughs> so first off, I mean, looking out of the pro, I am not against it. I don't love it going into pro, but I'm going to be fine with it. But GOATS was kind of already done with before this was put into play. We already saw that Shanghai. We talked about this. So this wasn't needed for that. But I I think it was needed for Overwatch in general. And you can't do it in just one place, not the other. Kind of like what you've been saying. So if they wanted to do it in casual, which everyone, everyone that's been playing PTR, there's so many people on Twitter talking about, I'm going to come back to Overwatch now because of this. And I think that's something super important. And it was something they had to do there for that community because of how bad competitive was. was. And now you actually see people enjoy playing it there. So I think they had no choice but to do it everywhere. And I think this might have been one of the choices that was just as factored by the casual audience as it was a pro audience. I think we look at this from the pro play aspect because of how major GOATS was. But people have been begging for some kind of competitive um, WeWork for at least a year now, for a very long time now in Overwatch. So I I don't know if this was quite influenced as much by the Overwatch League as everyone thinks. I think that has kind of brought it to the spotlight even more that things needed to change. So I, I hope that eventually maybe we see like a flex spot or something like that, at least in like the Overwatch League, maybe not in, um, competitive play but it's like okay you have to have two slots it has to be like a uh two two i don't know how you do it but you just make sure that you two, have two, one, one, one. yeah two two one one it sounds weird but just having a flex spot to maybe move around at some point to allow for more comps because i do worry that we'll just be limited to maybe dive and bunker for the next stage but we'll see teams find a way to innovate inside a goat meta goats meta so so I, I am more worried about the competitive, I'm the Overwatch side, Overwatch League side of it. I got to be very specific with all these terms um, than the casual side of it. But I think overall, it's an incredibly good thing for the game in general. I think it's going to bring a lot of people back and I cannot wait to play competitive. I mean, I haven't turned away from it, but I'm looking forward to it even more than I was before. Fine. Yeah, so I, I mean, I definitely good, all good points there. And I, I think it definitely sums up the... Uh, our, my overall point is definitely that, uh, you know, the free market might be great um, in, in, in theory, but in practice, uh, you need regulations in place or else it, it gets. Yeah. And Sybil or Caden, Chad, whichever one we want to refer to her as this time, um, to say that Jeff um, Kaplan, the dad of Overwatch, however you want to know him, he's 
very big factor of Overwatch. Um, so that they've been working on this for quite a while now. And so Owl was probably just kind of a finalizer more than a deciding factor there. So so that's kind of what I was saying there. So yeah, so I, I think this will be very good for the game. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I can get you and uh, James to play a couple of games with me once the new 222 goes live. I'll play. Do My you own, do you own Overwatch? Yeah, I I played it a ton. I just haven't been playing recently. Well, you need to start playing. I have a recently. god like Reinhardt. I I'd like to see that. So yeah, so you so yeah, we'll I have to play together then sometime. Yeah, I didn't know that. I know I think James has it as well. I'm not 100 percent positive about him, but he's on Bnet. You guys own everything on on Bnet. Yeah, actually, except Call of Duty, <laughs> which is understandable. But um, yeah, so Overwatch is on the up and up. I'm hoops proud with that. Um. New heroes announced today. Uh, I don't want to go into that too much today. That's not really why we're here to talk about. Plus, the character hasn't been announced in terms of what his skills are going to be. Um, so, kind of more coming on that. But super cool. Overwatch has been doing a lot of good things recently, and I'm looking forward to Stage 4 for Overwatch League. Go Valiant. So, we had one more big topic that I kind of wanted to be our topic of the show. So, I want to check Twitter one more time before I kind of write it off. But for those of you that don't know, something we've been talking about for weeks now is the whole Echo Fox situation. For those of you that have no idea what's going on, but living under rock, don't follow League of Legends or the Echo Fox team at all, is that while back, Rick Fox tried to leave the organization. Head of the organization just couldn't deal with it. There was a racist investor that kind of surfaced, became a much bigger deal. Rick Fox ended up staying on. But Riot gave them an ultimatum saying that you have, I think it was like 60 days or something like that, to get rid of this investor or face punishment. Um, They're kind of broad in what that was going to be. And it came out recently that um, they're going to lose their spot if they do not um, get rid of the investor. There's 60 days has expired already, but they were given an additional seven days to fix the situation, and that seven days ended today. There's been no official statement yet from Echo Fox unless something came out the very minutes after we started, but I'm just checking it now. So nothing has been out now. So tomorrow could be very interesting. Um, so there's a lot of unique things going on here. Either we see Equifax oust the investor and all is good and they remain their spot. Or we see the first ever franchise team in a North American league lose their spot from forcefulness. Not selling it, not be taking out that. They will, will just lose their spot and that would be something kind of groundbreaking in esports, at least in the franchise leagues over here in North America. I'm not too sure about anywhere across the rest of the world, but... What, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I, I feel like they'd have a statement out already if things were going smoothly. So it kind of worries me that it's going to be a worst case scenario here. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, they've definitely been like saying that they've been pushing for it um, pretty aggressively. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously, Riot and Echo Fox are definitely in heavy communications right now. So, I mean... I'm assuming something's probably happening behind the scenes right now, and we'll probably see a, a, a statement issued by tomorrow morning. Because people are going to be are already asking, like, "Hey, like it's past five p.m. Uh, like, what's going on?" So, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that no statement was put out by either one of them today. Um, so that could be just waiting for Echo League of Legends allowing Echo. I mean, Riot allowing Echo Fox to put out their official statement. 
or them figuring out the legal ramifications of how to take away that spot and what the next steps are going to look like. This no statement allows anything to be happening still because there's so I mean, there's two major outcomes of it. But just how they want to break the news could happen either way. I feel like Echo Fox will break the news first if it's good news. If it's bad news, we'll hear from Riot first. Or we'll hear someone leak it from a journalism outlet. So that was kind of our big story for today. So unfortunately, with nothing happening, we were so sure today that um, it was going to happen. We're going to loop in another kind of article that Dylan wanted to. I said, nah, we'll have so much to talk about today. Can, can, I, can I do two? Like one that's a little shorter? Yeah, I mean, we, we have plenty of time now, Dylan. Okay. Well, I definitely wanted to talk about my dudes over at the Pittsburgh Knights. Um, so I brought these guys up a couple times on the show. Um, but basically their whole deal was um, they want to start a local esports team for Pittsburgh. Um, and me being from Pennsylvania, I was like, heck yeah, that's awesome. That's great. They even like went for the Pittsburgh colors um, of like black and yellow, embraced it. And they've been working with like a lot of the teams around there and like definitely getting super invested into local community reaching out to a lot of the collegiate esports people out there. So that's been really great. And they just announced a partnership with Wiz Khalifa. Hell yes. Who is also known for, you know, Pittsburgh and stuff like that. So this is definitely really cool. I really like it. I I, I mean, it's kind of bizarre. Absolutely incredibly bizarre. bizarre. It's great because like, uh, you know, definitely like a big powerhouse of Pittsburgh. So I, I, hope, I hope things go very well. Um, I don't, it says he's a strategic partner, so I think he's going to do something like they're probably just like going to do some kind of cross promotion. Yeah, that's all it's going to be. Yeah. There's no money exchanged here. He's just joining some board of directors to say, "Hey, we're partnered with Wiz Khalifa," and Wiz Khalifa say, "Hey, I'm partnered with an esports team for some reason." Appealing yeah, to, so, appealing to the youth. Yeah, I'm assuming he'll probably get like one of their jerseys or something like yeah, that. Yeah, word on stage um, for a concert or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've been doing really well. They had a lot of really good uh, results in like, I would say like tier two or tier three esports out there. Um, definitely a lot of shooters. They actually put up some decent results. They had a couple, I think Fortnite and PUBG results um, for like some of the big opens. Like they had the really big opens and they sent a couple players to play in those and they actually did fairly well. So the other, actually another partner that they had that we haven't brought up um, but they are also partnered with Sheets, which is a big, oh, you've talked about this big before. deal. And it's great. I love it. It's like a gas station, convenience store, like fast food place back in Pennsylvania. Love it so much. So I, I definitely like seeing them partner with like local, uh, you know, things that are definitely like in the local scene. So it's great. I love it. They're doing great stuff over there. Speaking of, I've been to a Wiz Khalifa concert. He puts on a very, very good show, actually. That was that was one of my favorite concerts, actually. That's a bunch of acts I saw that day. But yeah, no, that's super cool. I mean, it's I always love seeing these random names getting into esports. I mean, we like we were kind of saying, his connection isn't going to be super huge, but I mean that's still super cool. They're yeah, like you said, they're both well known for Pittsburgh and it's a cool little partnership, whatever comes out of it, even if it's just Wiz wearing a jersey and them being able to say they're partnered with it. That's still cool for both sides of it. And I think it's, um, I don't know if this is the weirdest partnership we've seen yet, but I think it's pretty close. Definitely not the weirdest, but it's like one of those that you're like, really? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is Wiz Khalifa doing? I, I think some of the weirdest ones are probably like th- those, that weird thing that like Twitch got a bunch of rappers to like play in a tournament with like streamers. Yeah. 
Yeah, that one was that was really weird. Like Lil Yachty was up there doing Lil Yachty stuff. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it's funny. Streamers. I mean, a lot of rappers seem to be really interested in video games. I mean, we saw Soldier Boy making a huge deal about it, forever trying to launch his own console and um, all that. So it's it is curious to see how much of a crossover that is when you really don't think there'd be that much of a crossover just based off of stereotypes. So it's really curious seeing that we keep seeing rappers being brought up in a lot of these situations. So I don't know. I think that's super fun. But yeah, and you said you had you, we had one other story that was a little bit bigger and actually something I can jump in and talk about it on, right? Yeah. So recently there was an article put out um, by AFK Gaming um, with an interview they had with like a 15-year-old CSGO pro player, um, basically just talking about like one of the center points of this was that parental support is super important in esports mm-hmm. and i just want to bring up that topic specifically maybe not specifically around this interview but i think the interview brought out that point very well and i just want to talk a little bit about it with you because definitely we are seeing a shift in that right now about parents actually supporting kids going into esports just as they would any other sport uh so yeah just want to open it up what are, what is your thoughts and i guess you know if, if you want to talk about your personal experiences with you know bringing that kind of thing up with your parents um, so yes, I think it's an incredibly important thing and it's super hard to kind of get everyone to understand, but I think not, I don't even want to bring up my own situation, but instead I want to kind of bring up the, uh, story that we just kind of didn't even touch on, um, that happened, I think it was sometime last week and I think it was before our show, but the 14 year old that was pulled out of high school by his father to go and be a Fortnite pro. So he has qualified for World Cups. He has like 50 grand in winnings and all that kind of stuff. But his father pulled him out of high school. He's still taking a couple of online classes, but all he's doing is playing Fortnites and trying to go pro and make money off of that. His dad bought him like a $30,000 setup, apparently, and a Maserati that he can't even drive. So so I think that's an interesting situation. And I think that might be going a little too far. On the believing in it, I I think you need to be incredibly dedicated, and I think you need to have your parents' support. But I don't know if you need to quite go that far. I mean, education is very important still. So actually, I have a I have a counterpoint to bring up with that. So I, I obviously the spending's definitely frivolous. That need to do that. Um, but what do you feel about child actors who are huge stars and star in movies and TV shows of where they need to be pulled out of uh, school to pursue their acting career? And you know maybe they you know, take online classes or have a tutor or anything like that. That's a little different. Oh, how is it different? Because it usually starts as a side gig and they usually drop out once that becomes kind of manageable, winning $60,000 in like two tournaments and nothing else isn't. No, but I mean, if you win that much in two tournaments, I mean, at that point you go, I have the skills, like, you know, here's the turnaround point. I just think acting is such a more kind of as competitive as it is, it's not going anywhere. The money's much more kind of guaranteed than I think in esports. Well, what if you have spon- right what if you have sponsors? He doesn't have sponsors. I mean if you have Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, if you have enough to kind of float the cash right there, and it's not even about the the income. I mean, this could kid could be making zero off of playing the game. Right. I mean, what, I mean, what's the difference between him actually making money and him making zero? If his parents support him and he's putting up results, that what's he's not the difference an between education. that? No, no, no. He is. He's still taking online classes. 
it's incredibly different because one market's much, much more stable, has a much more consistent thing. And like people are saying in chat, acting skills never go away. They're always incredibly important. Being good in Fortnite's not going to matter in about two years when a new game comes out. I mean, he could still transfer those skills over to other games. The money he could have done so that big. after he could have done that after middle school as well. Well, maybe not. Maybe this is the time for him to play, earn the money, and then get his education. Yeah, but he won that sixty thousand dollars when he was still going to school full time. I mean, I I think that they're equal. I mean, I'm he, playing he devil's advocate. He is qualified for this tournament and made all the money while still participating in school. Well, what if he wants to go to more tournaments, most of them are online. The Fortnite I, World Cups. There's plenty that aren't. I mean, and especially if he wants to start practicing even more. If he wants to practice even more, he can actually, you know, he needs to spend his time instead of going to school, he needs to spend his time actually playing the game and practicing. Maybe he needs to start streaming too. I mean, he starts streaming and that's a stable income right there because he's such a good that's player. Because I mean, a streaming? Oh, absolutely. If you're a really good player, um, that's like one of the barriers to entry. Like if you're a really good player and you have your name out, especially if you're a young player who just recently had a ton of articles put out about them, it's perfect for streaming right there. I'm obviously playing devil's advocate here, but yeah, I think that both situations are bad. I think both situations are bad. I don't think, I, I think you should be getting education first and then uh, go afterwards for both things for acting as well. Cause I, I, I feel like both of those are, are pretty socially crippling as, as uh, Bimmy TV and chat said. Yeah, but I mean, another point I want to bring up here, being the devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, is you really want your kid's social life being Fortnite versus being an actor? Yeah. Think of how that's going to impact a kid in the long run. I think. Oh, I think that's. I think that's totally fine. I think you're putting games on a really weird pedestal, or like putting them down rather. I mean, I mean, what's 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 wrong about playing games online with friends and there's, like there's learning nothing, to compete that way? But if that's the only way you're interacting, because if you if you don't have enough time to go to school, I'm sure this kid isn't going out and socializing every single night. If he does not have enough time between after school and when he goes to bed to train, he doesn't have enough time without school to go out and socialize and have a great social life. So it's not talking about the game. It's talking about the fact that acting, you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of people every single day because that's your job in the most scenarios. In games, it's going to be you and your parents and whoever you're playing with and the best players you should play solo and maybe if he grows a community in chat. But that's not the best way All right. well, if, to have what a social kind of, life. But what about your social life being in, being in L.A. with all those actors and all those fake L.A. people? Come on, Andrew. I can't believe you're supporting this right now. I want to move to L.A. I'm all for the L.A. lifestyle. We've already established this uh, before. I know that we that you're an East Coast boy and I'm a West Coast boy. Andrew always chasing that clout, going to the ocean for it. What, what West Coast, West Coast? What else? What else do you do? If you ain't chasing clout, what are you doing with your life? I but I mean, obviously. So so getting back to the main point of it, I think that is obviously way too far in the support, um, and I think that there's definitely. A balance between the two yeah and i uh, think because i mean he obviously gone he obviously can stream on the weekends he can stream after school after doing his homework and stuff and i think that's what he should be doing because it's just like I, I think the equivalency is like if someone's doing really you know well in acting i mean that's why i brought that up because i don't think you should be pulling everyone out like your kid out for everything you know i mean you can do small local things you can do your community theater i think those are just fine things to do 
because esports is going to be there. It might be there in a different form, but it's going to be there regardless in a couple of years. Um, just like acting is going to be there in a couple of years. You can, you can do all those things. I don't quite agree with you, but I do want to kind of go back to the kind of what the core of the topic was, is that I've seen this more with Overwatch League than any other league. I think that's because I follow a lot more players and I have follow a lot more people that are super in the scene. But the number of parents that are either in Twitch chat or at the games constantly for the Overwatch League is ridiculous. Like, you just see so many of these parents are so, so, so supportive and may not understand everything that's going on, but they really do care. And that's why you see these players being on this big stage is that they do have that supportive backbone. So the what we started with this topic with was going too far, but I don't think it's coincidence that you see a lot of these pro players have parents constantly showing up um, to the games. Where I've heard even stories from the, like the LEC of their parents spending like the last money they have to buy a low-end PC to allow him to play more, get better internet or something to get to the pro league and stuff like that. Like You do see those stories from pro players a lot, because the people that go pro have the most support growing up. And I think that is something that's super important and something I, I do agree with on that. I think support is something that you cannot do esports without. Whether it's, yeah, even if it's your family, but you also need your friends and the kind of the people around you to support you as well. Because if everybody, if you, those aren't kind of bought in either, it's, it's, not, it's not an easy lifestyle. It's a very different lifestyle for esports, especially for pro players and all that. So... But yeah, that was a good discussion, as bad of a take as it was um, coming from you. It wasn't a take. I was just, I, w- I was laying out a scenario. Eh, where are you? Yeah, because that's, I, I, I don't think, I don't think what the kid, you know, what the kid and his parent did was a good thing. I was laying out a scenario. Okay. Well, with that, the last thing that I do want to do before we wrap up the show is something we will be doing for a couple more weeks coming up now is the TI Prize Pool Watch 2019. This is week two going on with the scores being Dylan 1, Andrew 0, James 0. James will not have a chance this week, which gives me a better chance to catch uh, Dylan cheating. But um, so how it works is that we do find an article that um, gets us close to what it is. So we do have an article that let us know that it is currently over $30 million in prize pool over 29 million. So a million dollars in a week, which is ridiculous. And we will be making a guess of what we think the prize pool is at to the nearest 10,000th. I think is can, what we're doing it at. Can I, uh, so, okay. So I have my number already. Okay. Well, like, do you want me to, do you want me to put it in, in, in chat? So, no, you know, I'm not cheating. <laughs> Okay, can I say it? Yeah. 30 million, 15,000. All right, I'm going to do 30 million, 50,000. Going up. I have I have faith how fast this is going. I'm clicking on it now. Okay. I'm looking at it. 30 million, 257,000. Well, that's, that's a win insane. for me, but that is ridiculous because I'm pretty sure it topped 30 million yesterday. Yeah, that's insane. That so yeah, so at this rate, it'll continue to grow at about a million dollars per week. Because last week it had just hit 29 million. This week it had just hit 30 million, and now it's at 30.25 uh, million, which is ridiculous with how fast that prize pool is growing. So I guess with that, the current standings is me one, Dylan one, James zero. And we will continue that each and every week 
for the next uh, couple of weeks until TI happens or until the pie price pool closes, which I'm pretty sure just happens when TI starts. But um, with that, Dylan, um, you do have one other honorable mention that is kind of a quick flyby topic. Yes, I do. It has to deal with Blizzard once again losing another person. Co-founder Frank Pierce exits after 28 years. So he's seen a lot of people go from Blizzard at this point. And this is, I don't know, it, it looks really bad when all your founders and co-founders and like C-level people are just leaving the company like this. Um, you know, head people at esports have been leaving. You know, there's been a lot of like rumors internally uh, coming out that just everyone's just like, you know, down in the dumps about this. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just not good. And I, I mean, I like to blame Activision for this. I do too. And they... They, they may be the big problem, and I assume they are, but whatever is going on is not good with Blizzard right now. Not good at all. No, yeah, that's a concern. I didn't have much to add on about that, and it was just kind of passing by news. So we just kind of consider that an honorable mention for today. But, Dylan, we do have a couple minutes left. On If there's anything you want to go back and touch on, otherwise we'll wrap up a couple minutes early and move in and just talk to Post Show a little bit. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that really answers either one of my uh, questions about that. But yeah, you did. We we could probably do the 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 closer. No, yeah. So you did say something that um yeah. So yeah do we want do we want to do that after the closer? Sure. We're doing okay. meta chat right here because he's leaving Discord yeah. messages for me right now instead of just talking on air. But yeah, but with that, we are going to officially wrap up Project Esports for July twenty second. 2019 as always thank you for everyone that did stop by we had a really active chat today so thank you to everyone that did participate um jaguar robert a close friend of ours and very close uh very long time fan of us with the sub today as well so thank you all that interacted in chat and all that and the reason i thank you all so much is because any interaction with us means a world whether it's on our twitter at pop underscore off or at the esports pod rather it's leaving us a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to or anything it all means the world to us and we're creating this content for you guys um just out of fun for us so let us know what you guys like and what you don't like and we'll try to make the content you guys want to hear yeah and you know like always well not like always but we go live 10 p.m eastern standard time 7 p.m pacific standard time new time so don't forget that because andrew andrew's on a new schedule so uh definitely Check us out if you're on the West Coast, not the best coast, but the West Coast. Um, and we go live at that time at twitch.tv slash popped underscore off. We're on every single podcast platform. Please check us out on YouTube as well. Just search popped off project esports. We're trying to get 100 subs. So it makes this a lot easier to go through. And yeah, and I think the, the last thing I just want to touch upon really quickly is unfortunately this past weekend, uh, we lost another really great one. Uh, Jeff in control Robinson. Uh, left us very quickly and very suddenly. Um, he was a huge member of the StarCraft community, um, huge member of the D&D community as well, and just overall big person on Twitch. Um, you know, definitely sad to see him go and going to be spending this week checking out a lot of his highlights and remembering him. So, you know, make sure you tell people around you that you love him. Yeah. It's two sad notes in a row, so we are sorry to everyone for keep ending on a sad note. Hopefully this does not have to continue. But yeah, this was another big one that I... I'm not going to act as if I had a bunch of interactions or really knew much about him, but just seeing how 
many people around me and how they were impacted by that was just went to kind of show how big of a deal he was. So I'm sorry I can't say more because I'm still kind of new and I don't know as much about him, but it is still sad to see that someone that so many people in the esports community and D&D community really looked up to. So it is sad to see people like that go because they're the one that got us to where we are here and reasons why me and Dylan are creating content. So rest in peace. But with that, on another sad note, um, we will end up Project Esports for this week. As always, I'm Andrew. I'm Dylan. And we will see you guys next Monday on twitch.tv slash popped underscore off or wherever you listen or watch the podcast each and every week. Thank you all so much for being fans and we love you all. Bye.